Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. All right, we, we are all in a good mood, and a lot of the reason for being in a good mood right here in the bleachers, this is the Bleacher Blums podcast. I am a co-host on here. My name is Jeff Blum, 14 years in major leagues, and then on the, the left coast, I've got my good friend, who I'm actually on the same time zone with because I'm in the same state, is my good friend David Tuttle, but we are excited. Today is a special episode of Bleacher Blums. This is the opening day 2022 podcast. We are going to fire this thing out and give you guys a little bit of of predictions. I'm going to give you a story later in the show, but this is the podcast where we are going to just pump opening day. This is what we've been waiting for. This is why we endure the lockdown. Uh, This is why we endure lockdown. How about the COVID terminology (laughs) coming out, man? Is that like subliminal or not, man? But... uh, (laughs) The lockout right over my head. <laughs> the lockout is over. We're no longer in lockout lockdowns, and here we are watching baseball. And opening day is upon us. I couldn't be more excited. Tuttle, what are the emotions that kind of come up for you when you know that there is actually going to be an opening day? There's going to be about forty five thousand fans in Anaheim. Shohei Otani, Framber Valdez, the the allure of it. Talk about the emotion as a fan, and talk about the emotion as a player when you were playing, man. Yeah, you know, I, I think last podcast we mentioned the the ten pack, the six pack, the eight pack, when the pitchers <laughs> are start throwing, and you just hear the rat a tat of the balls hitting the glove. Like that is funny because when I think of spring training, I think of the smells. You know, like what you just said, mm. like the grass, and they're mowing the grass early in the morning, and it's a little the wet. New leather out there. on the glove. Oh, the new Ooh. leather on the glove, and the shoes, and the whole deal. Like getting the new shoes out of the box. But I, it's funny because, and obviously the wood. I used to, you know, guys take good BP and they smell the bat after, you know, that that always mm-hmm. is like all those things. But what's funny is that it works both ways for me, meaning I, I'm, you know, sitting in my office right now and I don't have the smells with me. But when you think about opening day and you think about like, you know, how it goes, the smells kind of come in. So it's a very uh, complete uh, experience, I guess. I get it all from from it all really sides, is. all senses. It's a good point. Yeah, and I'm sure that you have the same excitement, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. I mean, you're, you're obviously um, out in Anaheim looking to watch the Astros and uh, Los Angeles Anaheim Angels from the San Fernando Valley or Southern, <laughs> you know, whatever valley get after it. But uh, but opening day is always an exciting time. And, uh, you know, as, as you already mentioned, we've, we've kind of just talked about, I think this opening day after the lockout and the lockdown is what's going to make uh, it a little more special than normal because they're going to have fans in the stands. We're not worried. I don't think they're going to be masked up. And, uh, and we're going to have real baseball with, you know, with live bullets, as they say. Yep, it's going to be exciting, and it, it's always fun as a player. You know, you even though I was able to play 14 years in the big leagues, I had 14 opening days, and every one of them carried a little bit of specialness to it. It never really tarnished. That opening day was something that, you know, every guy looks forward to. When you make a team out of camp, it's one thing to get called up during a during a season. And, and have the excitement of getting to the big leagues for the first time. But when you actually have the opportunity to have that many opening days and still have it be the same emotion no matter what team you're on, uh, but breaking with the team is always something special. That flight from your from your spring training site to that city where you're going to open up is always exciting. And what's great about what the Astros are doing, I'm not sure if many fans know this or you, Tuttle, is that the Astros are here in Anaheim. They're going to have opening day against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and those various other locations that they're trying to absorb. 
but they're also going to have opening day in Seattle here in about a week. So they get two opening days on the road, and then they immediately get to fly home and have their home opener on April 18th. So there is a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement that's behind that. Having your name called, running out on the line, and being recognized as an opening day roster type guy is amazing. You know, this season, now you have 28 guys on that roster. So there's a couple of extra spots out there that get to enjoy that excitement. You got first timers, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, one guy I'm thinking of is Jeremy Pena for the Astros. He's worked hard, had that prospect title on him, and now he's going to make that opening day, uh, you know, lineup and be able to be announced in front of opposing fans and hear the boos and jeers that seem to follow the Astros around. That's always exciting. And then once he gets home, he'll be able to have this hometown crowd cheer him on and with excitement in his ability to go out there and replace Carlos Correa. But this being a special episode of uh, Bleacher Blums, we're going to go through, and man, we talked about it before we got on the show. We're going to give predictions. We're going to go through the National League. We're going to go through the American League. We're going to give you MVP thoughts. We're going to give you Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, some of those awards, and we'll give you our World Series predictions. I think we might be on the same page in that, but dude... We were talking about it before we came on when I offered up this suggestion. Let's talk about division winners and who's going to make the playoffs. And then both of us kind of came to the realization that, man, there's 12 teams going to the playoffs this season. So there's a little extra in these prognostications that we're about to make when I just, you know, a couple of winners and then maybe a wild card. But there's plenty going on as far as playoffs are concerned throughout the course of the season, which makes opening day that much more special because almost everybody's in it. Yep. I mean, we talked about this during football season, you know, and some of the wild card teams that get in. I think when we talk about the Patriots and the Giants, when they were heavy favorites, the Giants both went as a wild card, winning that one extra game when they win the world championship um, for football. But uh, yeah, I mean, 12 teams, I think the the chances of us getting some of the teams right is much higher, but also it might be more <laughs> difficult to predict who is not going to make the playoffs based on some of right? these rosters. No, I, I think that's completely right. Uh, we're going to start in the in the National League, and I'm going to go. I'm going to start in the Central because I'm not too. You know what's interesting is since the Astros have left the National League Central back uh, in 2013 was their first year in the American League. Since that time, I really don't feel that the National League Central has been too relevant. You know, I think the St. Louis Cardinals were the last team out of that division to actually win a World Series and get to the World Series when they were playing against the Texas Rangers. But since then, the National League Central has kind of fallen off for me. And I actually had to go in and start reading some articles because I'm like, who's even on this team? Are these still? I mean, I know Corbin Burns, you know, is a Cy Young, perennial Cy Young candidate. Uh, everybody, you know, the Astros had their hands on Josh Hader before he was traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. So there's a couple of names that I know. But I didn't know that Andrew McCutcheon was on the team, Jock Peterson. But in looking at that and reading some of the articles, the Milwaukee Brewers are the team in the Central, I guess, unless the St. Louis Cardinals go out there and compete, which they always do, but probably one of the weaker divisions in all of baseball. Yeah, I always I always pick the Cardinals. I just shut my eyes and go Cardinals just because <laughs> they always seem to bet. rise to the top. But I think you brought up a really good point, and we probably don't have to spend a lot of time on the National League Central, is that the the relevancy has to do with i think the viability how deep they can go in the playoffs so i mean i think True. you know whether it's milwaukee chicago or st louis one of those teams is going to come out and make the playoffs you know and this year with 12 teams maybe two uh two or three but but they're just not they're not built to win it all and so i think they kind of get dismissed early on meaning 
okay, let's say the Cubs make the you know the playoffs That's this a good year. Point. They're gonna get yeah, they're gonna get mopped you know the first round. And why did we talk about them all year as a potential? And I think they're, you brought they're up the relevance of the playoffs. They're just fluffers. That's right. That's right. And I think that's a good way to describe the NL Central. It's the fluffers <laughs> of the playoffs because Milwaukee. I mean, they can win one or two games as you mentioned with Burns and and Hader in that you know in that rotation and in the bullpen on the staff, I should say. But I just yeah, like you said, I mean, put them up against any of the teams that we're going to talk about moving forward, and and you know this the NL Central is a. Uh, most likely not going to make an impact. I agree. And we'll move on to the National League East, where I think it's going to be very interesting. You've got the reigning world champions and the Atlanta Braves. And then you have the Mets, who went out and spent a fortune putting that team together under Steve Cohen, who's trying to drive everybody bonkers. But DeGrom and Scherzer, nursing injuries coming out of spring training. DeGrom won't be in that starting rotation. So what are they going to do with that? How does that affect that team? And the Philadelphia Phillies, I think they made a couple of uh, of nice additions to help out Bryce Harper, but do they have the pitching to sustain out there in the National League East? I am on the Atlanta brand, the Atlanta Braves bandwagon, and a lot of the reason for that is I think they're still going to play well. They replaced Freddie Freeman with Matt Olson, which I think was. You know, Freddie Freeman was obviously better, but Matt Olson is a proven gold glove guy, not high on average, hits a ton of bombs. He's going to blow up that place in Atlanta because he's got so much pop. And he's going to be 60. Right. I I feel the same way. So the production is going to be there. And Ronald Acuna Jr., if he's able to come back later in the season and contribute contribute at all, it's the Atlanta Braves division to lose. Um, You know, so a little, a little, uh, argument I'll put up here is that I just bring it. The chemistry is the one thing. Yeah. The chemistry is the one thing that you can't. Freddie Freeman was a good leader. Olsen's maybe more of a quiet leader. Mm-hmm. I think statistically and certainly on paper it works, but Acuna is not there. Um, Jackson, uh, one of their key bullpen guys has some ulnar, uh, UCL, uh, deals, which could lead to Tommy John. I just read about that. So, you know, I mean, they, I feel like this is just instinct. I feel like they caught magic in a bottle or lightning in a bottle last year. I mean, I, like I think it. a lot of people, if you watch it, you see that. And, I, you know, I mean, Philadelphia, this division, I mean, Washington has an MVP <laughs> candidate in Soto. Like, this division's pretty deep. I don't think I agree. I agree with you. I don't think Philadelphia has the pitching depth. But I'm going to say it's the Mets or Philadelphia. And if the Mets can stay healthy with DeGrom and Scherzer, I got the Mets, you know, Lindor can't be as bad as he was last year. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of the owners will be upset and a lot of the other teams will be upset that Cohen threw a lot of money at them and now they're going to win the division. But <laughs> I'm, have, I'm having a hard time betting against the Mets. And I think because the Braves did so well last year and a lot of people will be scrutinizing the Braves, I think the Mets can kind of sneak in there and uh, be a force to be reckoned with. Certainly the opposite of Milwaukee. If they make the playoffs, the Mets they're going to be tough to beat because they have a strong yeah. bullpen and a really good staff. And before we get to the National League West, I think that's where this 12-team playoff might actually have an impact on the National League East because of what Tuttle was just talking about. Made a great call on the Mets. I think they're going to be very good, competitive. Lindor, I agree, is going to have a much better year. The Philadelphia Phillies are going to they're going to pound on some people, especially in that ballpark. So there's a potential that there are going to be three teams out of that National League East that end up in that playoff type situation because I think it's only going to be the Brewers out of the out of the Central. I just don't think the records are going to be good enough unless the Cardinals just obliterate their division and really rack up the wins. But let's go to the West, dude. I know this is where your heart is. This is where you want to, you know, you picked in our previous podcast, you picked the Dodgers just trying to jinx them. But uh, I know you bleed black and orange. And I think that the Giants 
do have an opportunity. A lot of it depends on, you know, how well are the Padres going to play? Are they going to be healthy? You know, are they going to be able to compete and put up numbers and rack up wins in a tough division to sneak into one of those playoff spots? Or are the Giants going to be able to overachieve? I think Logan Webb is probably the bright spot for the Giants. And the reason I'm not talking about the Dodgers is because on paper, they're going to win. If they if yep. they live up to their standards and they're healthy, it is their division to lose. And I, I just feel like the Dodgers are going to win. It's just a matter of can the Padres, you know, find a way to compete. They've got Bob Melvin at the helm, which I think is actually going to help them turn the corner and give them a couple more wins. But can Gabe Kapler get the Giants to to be as competitive as they were in the past? Because they were they weren't really big spenders in the offseason, losing losing Kevin Gausman to the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, and I mentioned this last podcast. They lost Buster Posey, clubhouse leader. Um, they've mm-hmm. got Crawford and Belt, who are on the you know other side of thirty, which you know for us seems young, but obviously in Major League Baseball with service time and uh, and years under your belt, that's a pretty uh, tougher. Oh, it's a more difficult hill to climb. I think. Yeah, I mean, Dodgers on paper should win it all, not just the division. But I think this will be interesting because you brought up the uh, N- the NL East, and you know you're going to have the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies potentially in a race there. You're going to have Dodgers, San Francisco, San Diego based on last year in a race, and those six teams, not all six of those teams are going to make it. And so I think what you mentioned is the records from a wild card perspective, or you know last teams in. It really depends on how the divisions do against each other. I do think that um, very similar to the Astros that we'll talk about later, um, Jeremy Pena is a huge piece of that. C.J. Abrams is going to have to play, I think, for two or three months in uh, Tatis's position. And Mm -hmm. the word on the street is that he's a better defensive player. And so it'll be interesting to see how that chemistry works because if he's not, you know, I mean, Tatis is an MVP candidate, and if he's not – relevant abrams and not able to help the team and the pitching isn't you know as strong as they thought it would be um you know the padres had a lot of hype last year this year i don't hear the same amount of hype but they do have a good squad and i i agree with you i mean i think bob melvin doesn't get as much credit as like buck showalter's getting for turn you know for the potential of turning around the mets but i think bob melvin's a wild card uh in in you know in itself and uh i don't know i wouldn't look past the padres this year and then we dismiss, of course, Arizona and the Rockies all the time. But uh, it's going to be a very, very competitive division. And you know, I'd love to see Gabe Kapler get the get the the fighting the fighting black and orange, you know, up to the top yep. again. But uh, as you already mentioned, this the probably the easiest division, I guess, on paper to predict is that the Dodgers are uh, a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, they are. And I think it's interesting that you bring up you know, you know the in division records because. What a lot of people need to realize is that for every division, we play this unbalanced schedule where there's he- these teams are heavy within their divisions. Each team plays a team in their division 19 times a piece. So that's where the Cardinals kind of sneak in, and that's where the Chicago White Sox, when we get to the American League Central, there's some teams that you can absolutely pound on, and that's what you need to do is go out there and just go crush. seventeen and two against your division. You're doing, but that's right. how the that's how the Astros have been so good. They they annihilate some of these teams it was you know it's been the rangers it's been the uh seattle mariners up until last year the a's they've been able to take care of and uh you know the i just wrote it down today that uh 
last season against the Angels, the Astros were six and thir- I mean thirteen and six. So I mean those are those are substantial win numbers that you can rack up when you're playing in your division seventy five games, you know, as a season, and that's going to change again in twenty twenty three. But that's for a later podcast. So that's your National League. I think we've got the Dodgers, Brewers, and then I have the Braves. Tuttle has the uh, Mets sneaking in there in the top spot in the East, and then it's going to be Giants, Padres. Phillies, Braves, Mets for that fourth spot or those two, what, three spots in the National League to get into the playoffs. It's amazing to say that many teams are actually have a chance. Right. All right. There's four extra spots, not just the three division winners, which is yep. nuts, right? Or no, three. Three and three. Yeah. Sorry. Three and three. That's what's great. Three division winners, three wild cards. Unreal. Yep. And there's going to be first round buys. I mean, it's, it's going to be a weird postseason. So stay tuned for that. It's a long season. Let's move to the American League. Uh, where, where do you want to start in the American League? Do you want to kick this one off? Sure. Let's go. The easiest one, I think, is going to be, again, the Central. Somehow the Centrals get kind of knocked around. Isn't it weird? <laughs> They're just yeah, not quite I'm with as you. Yeah. Yeah, the fight in Carlos Correa's are going to win it all. They're going to go to the World <laughs> Trade. No, uh, whoa, whoa I, I prediction. <laughs> we made a prediction for Blue Wire last podcast uh, after the after the podcast that we did, and uh, I just think very similar to. Um, well, I do have a sneak in here, so this is funny. So the White Sox are the team on paper. They won. They went. They won it last year. I think they're going to win it this year. You already just mentioned the in in uh, division record. I mean, they're going to beat up on their own division, and that's going to put them in a really good spot to get to the playoffs um, as the top, uh, as the champion out of the Central. I will say this, and this is you know probably near and dear to your heart, but I think Detroit's getting the short end of the stick here. I think just as we mentioned, Bob they're, they're Melvin sleeper. gives. That's right. There. Well, look at that. You're just I, that. That's my sleeper as well. And I know, like I said, mm-hmm. it's more near and dear to you. But I just feel like, um, just like Bob Melvin and maybe Buck Showalter give an advantage to their teams. I think AJ Hinch is going to do a fantastic job with Detroit. They also have two potential Rookie of the Year candidates coming up, and so it really again depends Man, on how. Dude, that's a great call. It really Torkelson's depends on one of those how. Guys, yeah, that's right, Torkelson. That's right. Um, but it really depends on how they perform, right? Which is always the wild card piece of this. That's why yeah. we're making these prognostications and predictions now is if they can have any sort of, I already mentioned lightning in a bottle last year that I felt like the Braves captured. If some of these players can come up and really be contributors, I mean, you know, Detroit is certainly a good sleeper in there, but I think we both agree the White Sox are going to take that division down. Yeah, I completely agree. They they have put together a team very similar to what the Astros have done in the past, where they've drafted well, they've developed well, they've got some key ingredients that they've signed in uh, international signings. You know, most notably Jose Abreu, Luis Robert. Now you have these guys healthy because last year Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert weren't healthy for the full season. And I think if you have those guys for a full season, that offense is going to go. They traded for AJ Pollock, so their outfield is pretty much set. I think that's a big deal. And, you know, Kendall Graveman in their bullpen allowed them the opportunity to trade away a guy like uh, Kimbrell, which blew me away to the Dodgers. So they've got some good things going on. Dodgers needed more. Yeah, right? They needed another closer after letting Kenley Jansen go to Atlanta. But, uh, yeah, I I picked the White Sox. You know, the – the the new guardians are they going to be any good? I don't believe so. Uh, the the car, the fighting Carlos Correa's are going to be a good team, but are the, do they have the ability to sustain it for a full season? No. Kansas City Royals have Bobby Witt Jr. coming up. That's going to be exciting, but it ain't going to win many ball games in that division. And uh, Detroit, I think Detroit is sneaky. They're building a very good team, and like 
Tuttle said, you, you can't argue with the impact that A.J. Hinch has on these guys. He's been able to motivate several teams in his career, and I think he does the same thing for them. Let's go to the, uh, let's go to the second easiest division to call probably is the American League West. What do you got? Yeah, uh, that's funny because I, th- I thought we would go to the East because you were saving that for that. But yeah, I think the West is the easiest probably to call. Um, I really liked what Seattle did last year. And I think maybe this was two years ago when COVID hit. You and I would text and talk more about Seattle, maybe mm-hmm. from my end, about their young guys coming up. And I know they've traded some and you guys got Graveman from them last year. And I mean, Seattle just had some really good quality young guys. And I like Seattle in the West, but the team... <laughs> The team is the cream always rises to the crop. I mean, getting rid of Carlos Correa or losing Carlos Correa in free agency is a better way to put it. Um, still, you know, Houston's got to be far and away the favorite in that division. The Angels didn't do enough with their pitching. Texas obviously signed uh, Seager away from the Dodgers, but similar to Correa in Minnesota, Seager can only have so, you know so much impact. Yeah. Um, you can pitch around him. You can do some things there. And Oakland, good God. I mean, I don't know what Billy Bean does every three or four years, but it's whether it be rebuild or not. I mean, you just thought they were done with these big trades. They got rid of Olsen, and then you see Manea go somewhere, and then Bassett goes somewhere. You're like, can you get rid of more people? I know the the Blue Jays. Yeah, you got uh, Chapman's in in Toronto, and right? Isn't Chapman in Toronto? Chapman went to Toronto. Olsen went to Atlanta. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, and same with – Oh man, they anyway. It, 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 we don't need to talk more, more about <laughs> Oakland. They're just, I mean, that is that actually lends more credence to what you said about playing within your division, because yep, Houston exactly. gets to play Texas nineteen times and Oakland nineteen times. So I got the Houston Astros on top. That is not just a homer pick. That is not for downloads <laughs> and views. That is just the way it's going to be. Yeah, I think we all know that uh, you know the AL West goes through Houston. They are still picked to win, even without Carlos Correa out there. Their lineup one through six, and if Jeremy Pena ends up being who he was in spring training, then you add another bat to that lineup. So you've got one through seven, and then you've got you know Chaz McCormick. Hopefully Jake Myers comes back in center field, but that is still a potent lineup that's going to go out there and score runs. Their defense is the best in, in Major League Baseball, and that's what makes their pitching better. Justin Verlander looks like an absolute beast again. Hopefully he can sustain that greatness throughout the course of a season. They re-signed Ryan Presley to the back end of their bullpen for two more years. They have things aimed in the right direction, and they know how to win, and they know how to play with a target on their back. <clears throat> that's why I love them. I think the Angels are going to compete. The Mariners are I'm, – I'm curious. Like you said, they kind of overachieved last year and played well. They have a very good team. They've got a brilliant rookie in Julio Rodriguez coming up, uh, Kyle Lewis coming back. But, man, they won way too many one-run games last year, and I don't know if they're able to do that again if they're – you know, the bullpen gets taxed in those situations, and I just don't know if they can do that again. So we've got the Astros, potentially Angels, Mariners, the American League East. This one's going to be a lot of fun to watch. What do you got in the American League East? Well, this is this is like the National League West. I think these two divisions. I mean, and I, I mean, that's not like earth shattering. Like, hey, you got to tune into Bleacher Blum's podcast to hear that. <laughs> but uh, but as you and I kind Please of discussed do, prior, yeah, my my predictions are. I'm going to stick with them. Um, I realize there's some addition subtraction, and maybe part of that is my similar uh, bias towards the Dodgers, like jinxing them. I'm just tired of the Yankees and the and the Red Sox. And honestly, the Rays have been the team that impresses the most out of there. 
But I think it's yeah. Toronto's turn this year. And I mean, look at this division. Take Baltimore out of there in the equation. You have Boston, Tampa Bay, the Yankees, and Toronto. And it really, the first month or six weeks of the season in this division, I think is going to decide a lot in terms of momentum and how pieces come together. But I really like Toronto. I think on paper, if you start looking at their lineup with, you know, obviously the offspring of so many big leaguers, Bichette, Biggio, <laughs> your favorite, Vlad, um, you know, your favorite teammate, Vlad Guerrero. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- these guys are just, I mean, they were born and raised in the game. They're going to be a fantastic team. Again, most of this, as you know, anybody that's listened to our podcast knows, this comes down to pitching and defense, my friend. And it'll really depend on that rotation. Obviously, Garrett Cole at the top of the Yankees rotation is a strong suit, but they don't have a lot of depth. Uh, Tampa Bay has totally some injuries. Agree. And Boston is, you know, I mean, Boston's kind of a flip of a coin for me. So I just think Toronto has the most established team, and I'm going to take them. Yeah, I agree. I'm on that Toronto, uh, you know, bandwagon. Also, I completely agree. Kevin Gossman signed with them. They, you know, they re-upped Barrios. Uh, they've got Jose uh, uh, Kikuchi is now with them, uh, replacing Robbie Ray in that rotation. So they did a good job. Maybe not to the caliber of Robbie Ray, but they still have quality starters that are going to go out there and give you some good innings. And take this into account too. They're going to play a full season up there in Toronto. But there are COVID restrictions, and I think that the fact that they have the mandatory vax and you can't get into Canada if you're not vaxxed or boosted, there might be some teams in that uh, American League East team, teams that are not vaxxed. For, you know, it's all personal choice, but it's going to yep. impact you know, their ability to go up and play in Toronto. And if you're missing a couple of players going up and playing what we think is the best team in the American League East, that's only going to enhance the efforts of the Toronto Blue Jays. So there is a little bit of a political angle to that that actually could help what the Toronto Blue Jays are doing. I think the Red Sox – go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's a great point. Kyrie Irving, right? You know, now they got rid of that in New York, yeah. but they, we won't know who's vaccinated. But when two guys are out of the lineup, I mean, that's that's something I, I didn't even consider at all. That's a great point. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, I think the Yankees are still, you know, they, they, they can be the favorite because they score so many runs. But I agree with you. Once you get past Garrett Cole, you can compete against that team as far as pitching is concerned. And the offense of the Toronto Blue Jays has enough to go out there and play with them. Uh, you know, can Alex Cora get the Boston Red Sox to to do more? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But the Blue Jays in the American League East, for me, are, are, the, are the team to beat. And I just want to see them. They're an exciting team. Uh, so we have our picks in. And everybody's been listening. But we are going to finish this thing off with... Our MVP, I'm going to go down the list. You can either talk about it, just give me a name, or you can expound. Whatever you want to do, Tuttle. So National League MVP, who do you got? Mm, how about uh, – it's going to be a Dodger for sure. Um, <laughs> how, how about Mookie Betts? Okay. Mookie Betts out west. I'm going to go with somebody that you mentioned earlier for the Nationals. And the reason I'm going to bring this guy up, Juan Soto. He is doing things that haven't been done since Barry Bonds. He's one of those high-walk, high-power guys, OPS machine, analytic, love darling. But I think having Nelson Cruz protecting him might, might give him some better pitches to hit. So I th- I'm going to go with Juan Soto as the National League MVP That's this season. I had him last year. Remember, yeah. we fought about him last year. I think Juan I Soto should have won it last year. And he so sh- his statistics are... Yeah. I completely so agree. That's it. 
Yeah, so I got off his bandwagon because I don't know if he has a chance anyway. Sorry. Well, and he's playing for a losing team, and that's gonna be, that's gonna impact it too. If you if you put up yeah. the numbers on the Dodgers, you win. You're gonna get obviously yeah. much more attention in that market too. How about in the American League? Who's gonna win that MVP award? Yeah, co MVP uh, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. Mike Trout's gonna stay healthy, oh, and on they're the gonna same both team. This is great. Ooh, that what a call. Hey, just for fun. <laughs> I mean, how could Shohei Otani, very similar to Juan Soto's numbers? We talked about him last year. We yeah. don't have to delve into him. Shohei Otani should be the MVP every year that he pitches and hits in the big leagues, right? Like, who's doing more for their team? But anyway, so if Trout stays healthy, he's going to put up Mickey Mantle type numbers or whatever mm. those numbers are that he might Trout type numbers. And it would be really hard to kind of vote against both of them. It would be funny to see a co MVP. So I'll just that go out on a limb and say, yeah. yeah. That's that's unbelievable. Who do you got for uh, not American League? Uh, MVP? I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to say this guy's on an absolute vengeance and a tear. He he's looked great in spring training. He missed out on the MVP last year because he couldn't pitch. Vlad Jr. is my pick for the American League MVP. I think he is going to go oh, yeah. absolutely bonkers. He's got a better lineup that he's hitting in. He's going to have more guys on base, and I think that he is. <laughs> He might try and hit 60 home runs. I think that's what I think it's going to be Vlad Jr. All right. That'd be let's great. move. Let's let's get rookie of the year out of the way real quick because I had to look up some of these guys who are who's going to be yeah, rookie, especially in the National League. Uh who do you got for rookie of the year in, in the National League? Uh now you're putting me on the spot. I was going to say, because you know what? Too. I had to dig into it a little bit and I actually got to the Chicago Cubs. And I remembered if you guys, if you've been following baseball, you you know about some of these Japanese or international signings where you've got to bid to win the opportunity to to negotiate a contract with this guy. And the Cubs didn't make many moves in the offseason, but one big move was picking up, I think it's Seiya Suzuki and uh, his favorite player is Mike Trout. So he's wearing the number 27 in Chicago for the Cubbies. And I'm just going to go and say that, you know, he's going to be one of those, those older Japanese rookies that comes into the major leagues and he puts up good numbers. I, I like what I've seen from him and I like what I've heard people say about him. And I really don't know who else in the national league is going to be a, a good enough rookie to maybe unseat him. So I'm going to, I'm going to say Suzuki for the Chicago Cubs is the rookie of the year. There you go. Uh, I'm going to say the guy that I already brought up earlier in the podcast, he was one of the guys that I did some research on at CJ Abrams. So if CJ Abrams plays shortstop for the Padres and does well, um, you know, Maybe Tatis comes back and plays DH when he's healthy. Um, that's but an we'll just uh, have a universal DH. That's right. So we'll go with uh, CJ Abrams in San Diego. All right, let's go to the American League Rookie of the Year. Are you ready for that, or you want me to go? I am. No, I'm going to say Torkelson. We talked about Detroit being Great. a sneak. Yeah, Spencer Torkelson in uh, Detroit uh, sounds like the guy. I mean, again, I haven't been at spring training like you have. Uh, but you know, and these guys get a lot of publicity. Um, I don't know, even know if Jeremy Pena is eligible because his spring training yes. was pretty fantastic, but I'm going to say Spencer Torkelson and that's going to be, um, enabling our sleeper pick Detroit to, uh, win mm -hmm. some games. No, that's a great pick. Actually. I, you know, there's some, there's some exciting rookies in the American league, Jeremy Pena, Torkelson, like Tuttle is talking about. Julio Rodriguez out in Seattle is a guy that got the call up, and he's going to have an opportunity to go for that rookie of the year. But the guy I'm going with, and I just think that there's been so much hype around this guy, and he's got some big league pedigree uh, in, in his gene pool with his dad being a former major leaguer. I'm going with Bobby Witt Jr. out there in Kansas City. I Great think call. that he's going to end up being the rookie of the year. That'll be a fun team to watch in Kansas City just because they're young. They're always competitive, but at the same time, playing in a tough division. But I think Bobby Witt Jr., after what I saw, 
in spring training from him and the similarities in his swing to Mike Trout's, I think there's an opportunity for him. So Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be that American League uh, Rookie of the Year for me. What do you got? I was just going to say, well, what you said is funny because with MVP, it really has to do with a team. Like it has to mm-hmm. do with a good team. Uh, rookie of the year does not typically. And it actually, uh, it benefits them to be on you know a second yeah. to last place team or a last place team if you're putting up good numbers. So I think exposure. rookie of the year, Bobby Witt Jr. <laughs> is a great call. <laughs> so speaking of, you know, rookie of the years usually come out of teams that aren't as successful as some of the MVP winners. Tuttle. This is it, man. This is the end of the podcast. We're we're going to talk about. Uh, I got a story to tell real quick. But who's your world? What's your World Series matchup, and do you have a winner? Yeah. So, um, we're, do we want to do Cy Young, or we're skipping Cy Young? Too? Oh yeah, we got because I Young. did write yeah, them this down. Is why you're hey, on the podcast. pitching. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, on the, I'm the pitcher. I had like that was the only thing. I you got me. You caught me <laughs> off guard with rookie of the or uh, rookie of the year, but I, Cy Young. Yeah, I'm actually. Wrong. This is going to be boring because I'm going chalk. So uh, yeah. American League uh, Cy Young is somebody who should have won it last year. I felt like over Robbie Ray, and he's uh, much hated in Houston. But I'm going to say Garrett Cole is probably your uh, your front runner for I'm in, I'm in that uh, same American boat. League sign. I think Garrett Cole is just going to pitch mad and just destroy yeah. people. I think he's got a real opportunity to win that uh, Cy Young finally. Oh, look at you! You and what about National League Cy Young? Do you want me to throw that one out there first? I think it's going to be a West Coast guy again. I think Walker yep. Bueller in the oh, National League you is my guy. Chalk too. That's who I have too. So, yeah. all right. I mean, so I, maybe I we didn't say, need to talk about that. I want to say Logan Webb, but I just don't know how that team's going to be or how much they're going right. to rely on him because I love yeah. this Logan Webb guy for San Francisco. The way he pitches and the like, the old school power sinker slider mix that he's got. I'd love to death, but I just think Walker Bueller's got too much. No, I do too. And I think, you know, similar to Maddox, I mean, Logan Webb is a fantastic call. I love him. I mean, geez, Giants, you know, black mm-hmm. and uh, black and orange here. But I think what you see with the Cy Young, you'll get more guys like power guys like Verlander, Bueller, Colt, like more swing and miss guys. Logan Webb True. relies on his defense a lot, you know, put the ball in play, got to have a good defense behind you. I mean, when Garrett Cole wants to, he can strike out nine guys in a row. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think Bueller has the same kind of capability. And so we're in the same same boat there. I mean, it's chalk. It's amazing Walker how Bueller, easy Garrett those Cole. calls were, right? You know, those guys yeah, are that there good. You go. All right. So all predictions, right. you want to? Yeah. Bring it. Oh, all right. So, um, so I, well, I mean, I'm going to stick to what I said uh, for our little outtake there for the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm going to say on paper, uh, the two best teams for me are the Dodgers and the Blue Jays. And um, I have the Dodgers winning it all. But as I, you know, always take a little dig, maybe that's a jinx because I don't usually get that right. <laughs> so I'm going to say, uh, Dodgers over the Blue Jays in like six games, let's say. Yeah, I wish I could get crazy and everybody, you know, obviously anticipates me saying the Astros. I think the Astros still have an opportunity to to get deep into the playoffs. And again, you know, they they their payroll is right around a the Astros payroll is right around 190 million. So as we sit with the roster the way it is, and the reason I say that is because there's the potential for trades. Uh, they're not afraid to go out and get a big free agent or fill a fill a gap where they feel they need to and pay the money. So I'm going to say, you know, Astros aside, who obviously I want them to win because when they win, I obviously sound smarter and better and, you know, things like that. But I think in the American League, it is going to be the Toronto Blue Jays just because I think they're a fascinating story. I think they have the guys that can go out there and do that. They're going to be dynamic off offensively. They got better defensively with the addition of Matt Chapman at third base. So I think their infield's a little more set. 
you know, that moves Biggio into a position where he's going to play second base and get a little more comfortable and maybe his back comes around. Uh, Vlad Jr. is going to freak out. And I think the Toronto Blue Jays win in the American League. And it's hard for me to say anything against the Dodgers just because on paper they are ridiculously powerful and have the depth to go out there and continue to do what they do. But I don't think anybody surprises me in the in the uh, National League unless the Mets get back to full strength and are able to go out there and, and, and blow doors off people. But Dodgers, Blue Jays. That's who you got. And I hope the Blue Jays win the yeah. World Series if it's not the Astros. Yeah, there you go. Blue Jays win the World Series. One other thing that you didn't bring up about the Blue Jays, and we'll cut we'll cut out here, is that uh, Guriel and Springer. So Springer's healthy. So you're going to have oh, a God, really stacked outfield. Guriel was really good. So anyway, dude, so Teoscar I'm with you. Hernandez, Dodgers. I mean, dude, they, yeah. they are – man, you, they just got better by you just saying that. I mean, that is a very good team. <laughs> Yeah. So that's all I got. So how about that? I mean, not that we disagree often, but we both have the Dodgers and the Blue Jays in the World Series, which means it's going to be like the Mets and the, you know, and somebody else, the Rays. Yeah, there, there could be some freak out, some some health issues that always, uh, you know, impact some of that. But before we end this podcast, I'm going to tell you a quick spring or a quick opening day story that I, I threatened to tell you beforehand, and hopefully it doesn't get too long. But 2003 with the Houston Astros was my first opening day start, and it was at home against the Colorado Rockies. You know, I had the thrill of of being announced on the line, the enthusiasm of that, and obviously we got off to a great start, started to beat up on the Rockies that day. And later in the game, about the sixth or seventh inning, I'm coming up to the plate, and uh, a veteran pitcher, Dan Maselli, comes out of the bullpen, and I ambush the heck out of this poor guy. I get a heater about nipple high, and I absolutely tear into it, and I hit it into the bullpen. And, I mean, the place erupted, dude. I was like, dude, yeah. You know, I did, it took everything in me not That's to fist great. pump and, like, you know, bat flip and go crazy because I was so excited for hitting an opening day home run. Come around, high-fiving everybody, interviews after the game. You know, the whole parade, it was great. Opening day was phenomenal and something I will never forget. The interesting thing about that is, Later in the year, we picked up Dan Maselli for our bullpen, and there's a there's a, an entrance to the clubhouse where I was walking to the equipment room to ask for you know stirrup socks, whatever new bat, whatever it was, and around the corner comes Dan Maselli coming into the into the clubhouse to introduce himself to everybody. So I think I might have been the first guy he saw, and I went, "Uh, that's that's the guy I hit the home run off of." And so I'm like trying to play it cool and kind of downplay it. So I kind of had my head down. I'm like, oh, hey, Dan, welcome to the ball club. And I put my hand out to shake it. And he grabs my hand and gives me like this crazy death grip. And I'm like, where is this thing going? Because, you know, there was rumors going around that this guy's, you know, he's in a world of his own, maybe a little bit of an anger streak. And I'm going, is he going to pull me in and like, you know, right hook me, left hook me, whatever it was. <laughs> and he grabs my hand, squeezes it, and he goes, I know who you are. You're that uh, you're that MFer that hit the home run off me on opening day. There you go. And walked past me into the clubhouse, and that was the only. Th I think that was the only conversation I had with him the rest of the year. No way. Way. Maybe I told you I might know Dan from some clubhouse from some network of somewhere. Yeah, he's he's right that's around exactly the age range, so. But that's what I. But that's what I remember about him. Like he would come <laughs> to your clubhouse and not say anything. Like he was just in his own little deal. But that's funny. You are an MFer, but you know a good MFer. So <laughs> there it is, the MFer. I uh, love it. 
Great podcast. Good, good. Uh, we'll have to obviously hold on to these notes so later in the year we can look back on them and, and say, yeah, we were right again on so many things like we are here in the bleachers. Uh, we, we do our homework. We, we talk with emotion. We give our opinion. But uh, we appreciate everybody listening in to this opening day podcast with all of our predictions. It's going to be a blast calling games in 2022 on the road. Stay tuned to Bleacher Blums, our YouTube channel. Make sure you keep in touch with Tuttle at Real David Tuttle on Twitter and Instagram. You can get to myself, Jeff Blum, at Blummer27 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you've got websites, the bleacherblums.com website. You've got jeffblum.com. Get out there and, and, and check us out. Download, rate, subscribe, review. Again, we read reviews on our podcast every once in a while, so make sure you go to that Apple podcast, rate us, and uh, subscribe, and then write a review. We'll get to you. We always thank the military for everything they're doing, both home and abroad. And uh, first responders, all the the fire persons, all the uh, police people that go out there and protect us, all the EMTs, nurses, doctors, essential workers, doc, uh, teachers. Uh, am I missing anybody, Tuttle? Jeez, that's a long list of people, but we do we appreciate you. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast without your help and support. And um, if you're over the age of 45, please get screened for colorectal cancer and enjoy the baseball season, folks. Believe it. Believe it. So it was a smidge longer than 15, but... Man, we got going, huh? (laughs)